I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Are you caring for an aging parent? Are you searching for answers? Welcome to Senior Care Live, a program dedicated to you. Providing information, education, and resources, helping you become the best caregiver you can be. I'm your host, Steve Keeker. Hello and welcome to Senior Care Live. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I really appreciate it. This program is all about educating seniors and their caregivers, helping them make informed decisions. This is a trusted place for you and your family. As always, if you have a question, you can visit us online at Senior Care Live, L I V E, SeniorCareLive.com, or you can reach out by phone at 1 800 331 6445. All right, so we have an excellent program for you here today. Uh, my first guest, my friend, and special guest today, Mr. David Wiley. He's the president and CEO of Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care. And David, welcome back to Senior Care Live. Thanks, Steve. It's good to be back. All right. So, uh, needless to say, <laughs> this year has been just very different uh, for all of us as we've had to rethink routines and determine how we can best keep ourselves and our community safe and healthy. Uh, so, your organization serves individuals coping with serious illness and you serve their families, uh, and uh, those who are grieving the death of someone they love. So how has your work changed over these past uh, three or four months here? Well, you know, Steve, um, in one sense, it's literally changed everything. Um, as we follow the data that tells us how to keep our caregivers safe so they can, in turn, keep the individuals and families we serve safe, life has become much more complex. So in a time when, you know, person-to-person contact is limited for all of us, addressing the very real need for being close to our loved ones, especially when someone close to you is dying, um, frankly, it becomes even more necessary. Absolutely. In in another sense, uh, you know, the, the universal experience of death and grief hasn't changed. The way we cope with our own mortality and the way we say goodbye the way we grieve and cope with loss, we know that in those final months of life, um, in the grieving process after death, we so often feel alone, even when, you know, you're in a room full of people. Um, And so we also know that even when we're physically alone, um, such as most of us are right now, uh, we can still connect with others and, and share the grief 
in meaningful ways. And so, you know, as we think about hospice and, um, you know, death, death is a, com- a communal experience. It's, it's why we, we gather together for funerals um, at a gravesite. It's why we are grieving together in support groups and uh, in communal ceremonies, such as our annual Circle of Lights program. Um, that can be so meaningful to the community. But it's also a journey that we that we each take alone, and uh, that doesn't change no matter how many people are in the room. Uh, both formal and uh, informal support can make a tremendous difference in this process, and uh, neither is wholly dependent on physical touch. Wow, and th- that's not kidding. Uh, you know, when I recall uh, many years ago when my own father passed away, and uh, it was so comforting to feel this just this tremendous lift of everyone around me, family and friends, and I knew they were all there for me. They had my back. They loved on me. Uh, they supported me. But then, like you said, then when you're alone, then that's a whole different story. And when the dust settles, you really have to come to grips with that. So it is individualized, and it is a very communal and just such a personal and profound uh, experience. And that's something that uh, uh, Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care uh, can help with families and individuals you know, all the way through that process. I'm so so thankful uh, for your absolutely. service. Thank, and, thank uh, you, Stephen. You're right. Y- you bet. Ab- absolutely. And, you know, obviously over the past few months, we have all at least briefly thought about our own mortality. And, you know, most of us never consider that we or a loved one might be alone at death. But the sad fact is, you know, many who are ill in the hospital right now in a hospital setting or maybe in a long-term care facility are at great risk and are physically unable to be with their loved ones. So uh, what are you seeing in the community and, and how does Kansas City Hospice help in those situations? You know, Steve, that's an important question. And uh, it's been heartbreaking, of course, to see how this disease has affected the most fragile citizens in our community. And uh, it's important to understand that that no hospital or long-term care facility administrator wants to cut contact between their patients or residents um, and their family members. In fact, you know, most have gone the extra mile to ensure um, important connections continue just as much as possible. At Kansas City Hospice House and North Care Hospice House, uh, we've worked really hard to follow the regulations in place for safety of our patients, our families, and our staff. Um, but while we're also working to think outside the box to ensure families can still connect. And um, our donors, for example, have ensured that, that we could invest in iPads and other devices to ensure families could talk and see one another. And uh, these often are also available <clears throat> in the hospital setting and in long-term care facilities and can really be an important way for families to gauge, you know, what is a, what's happening with their loved one even when they can't physically be with them. So Mm -hmm. now, although we've had to limit the number of visitors um, who who can be inside patient rooms, we have implemented some porch visits, which allow large families um, to spend some time with one another uh, at our hospice houses. And another thing that we're seeing is that patients who must be alone um, in the hospital are actually asking to be discharged to go home on hospice services so that they can be together, you know, with their loved ones. Um, uh, Gallup surveys, you know, they tell us that more than 90% of people, they want to die at home. And uh, home hospice 
um, allows that to happen. So, of course, we still um, ask them to consider how many visitors they have and to be safe with masks and um, physical distancing. But this can be really uh, an important option for many people. And um, obviously, serious illness um, besides uh, COVID-19 have not stopped. And so this can be a safe option for those individuals uh, you know, when, when the timing is right. So, mm-hmm. you know, across the board, um, I'd say nearly all long-term care facilities are taking great care to ensure the health and safety of their residents. And uh, we work really hard to uh, partner with them closely uh, to ensure that those residents and families are still able to receive um, palliative care and hospice care, even though they're uh, in one of those facilities. So for our listeners, if you'd like to reach out to the great team at Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care, you're going to want to write this number down. It's 816-363-2600. That's 816-363-2600 or online at kchospice.org. And David, so I uh, I love one of your phrases that you've mentioned before on the program. Uh, when you know a lot of people ask, you know, they think about hospice and they think it's a place, but it's actually a service. And hospice can be provided wherever you call home. And I just think that just really covers it. So so you see patients and their families in their own homes or apartments as well as facilities. Is that correct? Yeah. Absolutely. So um, we work really hard to understand um, the goals of care, and that includes, you know, where do people want to be? So we work, um, we work with the families and our patients to, to listen um, on exactly what, what they want to happen, and, um, and then we're able to take care of them, yep, right, right in their home. And our care t- team um, goes in, so whether it's um, their nurse or their social worker you know, they're the care partner, um, our chaplains, um, they just go where our patients live and, um, and we're able to uh, take care of them and uh, provide them, you know, that that uh, interdisciplinary care that they, they, they need at the end of life. Okay. Now, do you ever, it, this just dawned on me as, as a question, do you ever go into a hospital with hospice services or is it really more of a post-hospitalization uh, service delivery? You know, it's a great question, Steve. And there are rare occasions where, you know, our first um, intention is to be able to transfer a patient um, that's in a hospital, you know, either to their home or when, when it's a very serious situation and the symptoms, you know, can't be managed at home, they may go to one of our hospice houses that we've talked about. And so um, then further, um, if the patient is too fragile and unable to transfer, then we do um, go in the hospital and we provide that service um, right there uh, in the hospital. And the benefit of that is um, really it's surrounding um, our uh, those families with the care that they need. And then it also allows the family to have access to our important grief support services um, after the death of a loved one, which is important. Okay, and do most insurances, including Medicare, uh, uh, offer that hospice benefit as far as reimbursing for the hospice care and the hospice services? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Medicare takes care of it, um, and uh, we're, we're responsible for 
um, providing all of the care related to their end-of-life needs, and that includes supplies, equipment, and um, and the daily care that they that they need. Excellent. Reach out to the great team at Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care at 816-363-2600. And now the Senior Care Live question of the week. It's actually a statement. People who live in long-term care facilities cannot receive hospice care right now. Is that statement true or false? The answer coming up next. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, call now, toll-free, 1-800-331-6445. Operators are standing by, 1-800-331-6445. I'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, go to SeniorCareLive.com. And don't forget, you can stream this program to any electronic device at SeniorCareLive.com and on the app Radio.com. Back to the Senior Care Live question of the week. People who live in long-term care facilities cannot receive hospice care right now. Is that statement true or false? And the answer is... False. The answer is false. And David, why is the answer false? Well, Steve, um, you know, Kansas City Hospice, we work really closely with long-term care facilities throughout the area uh, right now to ensure individuals are receiving expert, compassionate hospice care. And we do that um, every day. So it's uh, important for people to know that and to understand that. So. All right. Excellent. Excellent. And David, uh, be, before I forget, I don't want to forget this. I just wanted to say a, a big and warm, uh, happy 40th anniversary. I can't believe it. 40th anniversary uh, to Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care. Technically, uh, that was this past Tuesday on the 3rd, uh, but 40 years, that is quite yeah. an accomplishment. I'm sure you're very proud of that. We're very proud. Uh, four decades of doing this great work and um Absolutely. November 3rd, 1980, we served our very first patient. So we're very proud. And uh, and it's fitting that it was in November because November is also National Hospice and Palliative Care Month. So that just all fits uh, fits perfectly together. <laughs> it sure does. It sure does. And we're celebrating uh, all month long. So it's been been a fun month so far. So Excellent. Excellent. All right. So you mentioned earlier that formal and informal support can be really important. So what does that look like right now? You know, it's a great question, Steve, and, and I'll start with the informal support. Um, you know, this is support that we offer one another as family members, as friends, as coworkers, or um, in general in the community. So, you know, just as we're, we are um, all now conducting our lives you know, via Zoom meetings and FaceTime, you know, we, we don't have to forego the ritual of funerals or celebrations of life. Um, these can be moved to an online, uh, either entirely or as a hybrid, you know, with a small, a small group gathering in person and then online for those who are not able to come. Um, maybe they're out of town or, or, or they're just not comfortable. So as an informal support, you might offer to help arrange this or, you know, get the word out for, um, for friends. Um, it's new for all of us and trying to learn something new when you're also coping with loss can really feel overwhelming. 
Um, I actually recently attended three funerals on the same day. So oh my. One, was in, one was important or important. Well, they were all important. One was in person, sure. um, but and it was socially distant. One was an in-person visitation. And then, you know, of course, there was no hugging or no, you know, just kind of standing there. And then um, I went home and watched it. And then I after, later that afternoon, I, I watched one completely virtual. So, you know, I think that's uh, it's kind of incredible. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, those are those are. So that's what's happening now, and we're kind of working through that. I think another informal support, um, Steve, is just sharing happy memories. You know, too often as a society, we feel uncomfortable talking about someone who's died, and, and we feel this way because we want to be supportive, and we don't want to remind them that their loved one has died and make them sad. But in truth, they haven't forgotten their loved one, and um, it can be really a great comfort when others are remembering that person, too, especially, you know, the funny or special moments that they've shared. And I just, you know, I just know that it's okay that if they start to cry or, or they want to talk about their sadness, that's okay. Having someone willing to talk and listen can really make the world a difference for someone who, who's grieving. And I, um, I agree. Uh, telling funny stories at a, at a gathering or a celebration of life or a funeral, uh, or maybe maybe like the dinner afterwards, uh, there is something that's just incredibly therapeutic about that. And uh, I, I always I like those moments um, where it kind of breaks up the, the the tension and and you recall some some happy things, some funny things. I, I think it's a a wonderful thing to me personally. No, yeah, I totally totally agree with you and. Um, Another another informal way is just simply, you know, not don't disappear. Uh, make sure that you 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 know we can't show up you know at at the door with a casserole and a hug, but we can certainly make our presence known even from far away, and and that might just be sending some sending something for a you know non-contact delivery from a local restaurant, or it could be a text message letting them know that you know you're thinking about them, or um, maybe it's just setting up a Zoom call to just to check in and chat. So. Another another suggestion is, you know, to do your best is to think outside the box. And, you know, for example, maybe you could plant a tree in their loved one's memory. Or if you have um, skills, you might be able to um, create a picture collage that they can share on social media. So I think the important thing is that you just you're being there even just to check in regularly and and they can feel your presence. And I, I think it really makes a world of difference for folks. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Those are all great, great ideas. Uh, so, uh, you know, the, they're excellent ideas for supporting, uh, you know, each other. But uh, what about formal grief support? And has Kansas City Hospice been able to continue providing grief support to individuals in our community? Absolutely. I'm, I'm proud to say that, yes, we have, Steve. And, you know, our, our team of grief support professionals, they're finding um, that, that more people are answering the phone you know, um, their home. And when we do call, they're wanting to talk and share. And we're, we're so thankful for this opportunity because we can engage with them, um, with individuals that are grieving. We can offer support and resources as they're moving forward. Um, nearly all of our individual grief support is now offered telehealth or telephone. And we're finding the acceptance rate to agree to that support is about three times higher than our pre-COVID numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been able to offer a few live grief support sessions in September and October when the weather was nice. So that was outside and physically distant. 
And um, an adaptation that I think is really cool is our, our Solace House Center for Grief and Healing is offering their fall group sessions via Zoom. And it's quite an accomplishment. Um, you know, this is uh, about um, 80 folks that are on, a, on Zoom and they break out into rooms. And we even have uh, two families that have uh, a four-year-old child. And um, these little ones, they actually go into their own breakout room, just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And they stay there for an hour and they receive group support. And I just think it's incredible. And it really is telling for what's possible in the future. And um, I think it's really important. So as much that as we all amazing. want to be back, isn't that, cra- isn't that great? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> you know, as, as much as we want to all be back together, it's been, you know, it's really amazing to, to see people, um, see the way that people have come together in, in spirit and offer grace and, and love to us and to one another as we navigate our way through this all together. So. All right, David, and just we don't have much time left, but I just I just wanted to acknowledge uh, uh, Sunday Night Live that your major oh, yeah. annual fundraising event. I was really impressed with this virtual event. Uh, is that the first time that you have uh, held this uh, in a virtual uh, capacity? Yep, it, it's the first time, and we had um, seven hundred connections that night, so we wow. had a wide reach, and that was a, a lot of fun and a lot of generosity that evening. So it was really great. Well, that was very well done. Just want to say congratulations to you and the entire team for putting that together. I'm sure it was not easy. It was so well done. You guys did a great, great job with that. Just want to say congratulations on that as well. Thank you so much, Steve. We appreciate the support. We appreciate our donors, and it allows us to do things that uh, other hospices can't. So it's really appreciated. All right, David Wiley, President and CEO of Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care. Uh, David, thanks so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. For our listeners, we'll have a whole lot more coming up next. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, call now, toll free, 1-800-331-6445. Operators are standing by, 1-800-331-6445. I'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, visit SeniorCareLive.com. And don't forget you can check out any of our uh, podcasts of all the recent episodes, and they go back in chronological order. Uh, Again, at SeniorCareLive.com, and lots and lots of people listen to the podcast and even subscribe to the podcast. So uh, feel free to do that if you are so inclined. All right, so just wanted to say thanks again to David Wiley, President and CEO of Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care. You talk about a great event. We just touched on it, uh, their Sunday Night Live fundraising event. It was in October, and I- I'm proud to say that I attended that. And uh, this this time around, usually it's downtown in the, in the Power and Light District across from the uh, Sprint slash T-Mobile Center. Uh, it's going to take a while for me to say T-Mobile, but I'll, I'll get there. <laughs> uh, and uh, But, but but this year, obviously, we need to uh, you know be safe and in all of those sort of precautions. So uh, I was really impressed with the virtual event. It went on for about an hour. Uh, they had all sorts of entertainment. They had different speakers. Uh, 
it, they it was a phenomenal event, and uh, and that was the very first time that they've ever held this event uh, in a virtual capacity. And I believe going forward, you know, there are a lot of people from out of town, or maybe they just can't make it at that particular time, but they like to attend, uh, or you know, maybe they even live out of state, but would still like to attend. I think from this point going forward, they'll have the live event plus they will have a, a simultaneous, uh, you know maybe a simulcast virtual event for those folks who can't make it to attend virtually. I mean, you know, they had the silent auctions and they had the raffles and uh, of course, all of the different, you know, speeches and entertainment, et cetera. Uh, so, I mean, that was really, really well done. And let me say thanks to Kansas City and everyone who contributed to this uh, really, really important fundraising event for Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care. Uh, you donated and if i if i had a if i had my snare drum in here i, I would do a little roll but you don't you donated four hundred and thirty thousand dollars to kansas city hospice and palliative care during this event this is their signature premier fundraising event uh, of the year and of course they other they have some other fundraising events as well we do the mustache month and those sort of things and have fun with that but all of it is to raise money uh, to help uh, kansas city hospice fulfill its mission and and they do that very well. Each year, they provide approximately $600,000 in unreimbursed services, care, and support. I mean, that is phenomenal. That's phenomenal. Kansas City Hospice, 40th anniversary this month, actually this past week, uh, November the 3rd, 1980. It is National Hospice and Palliative Care Month, so it all comes together. And uh, Kansas City Hospice provides care services and support uh, for those individuals, even if they do not have the ability to pay for the services. So they provide that much unreimbursed, uncompensated uh, support and services. And that's just fantastic. So uh, anyway, I just want to say again, you know, hats off to the team at Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care for uh, putting on such an excellent event. And congratulations uh, for uh, uh, for a, a wonderful uh, 40 years. And hopefully, here's to 40 more years. How about that? All right, so I'm going to shift gears now. And I've talked to a lot of people here lately uh, through my firm, Senior Care Consulting. And, you know, when, when we work with families, we put together that care profile and it identifies the level of care required, the type of care that we're going to need. Uh, and then I think I mentioned this uh, either last week or the week before the elephant in the room. How are we going to pay for this stuff? <laughs> right. And so we, we talk about the payment method. And then I always ask the question, you know, do we think that there's a chance that, you know, we might outlive our assets? And if the answer is yes, and it is yes for many people, because you know, regardless of how much money you have, you know, this senior care, it, it gets really expensive. I, I don't care how much money you have. This is really expensive stuff. So it's pretty common for someone to have the possibility of outliving their assets. So then we shift gears and we have a talk about Medicaid. And, uh, and we always talk about that. And, and, and so I just wanted to just do a brief review and then a couple of warnings. So uh, Medicaid is a, f is a federal program, uh, but it is administered 
at the state level. So each state may have some slight variations uh, on, you know, on their rules and their requirements, but they're all, you know, very, very simple. And uh, so to to overly simplify this, <laughs> uh, if you have a single person, you divide your assets into two categories. So one is an exempt category, so it's off the table. So uh, your house is an exempt asset. Uh, your vehicle, a prepaid funeral uh, plan, which is super important to have, uh, a a small amount of life insurance, and then all of the stuff in your house. So, and I'm overly simplifying this, but those things are exempt assets. And then, what is a countable asset that you have to spend down? Uh, a countable asset is, is almost everything else. Just just think liquid assets: checking, savings, money market, mutual funds, CDs, four hundred one ks, IRAs. Although sometimes those things are exempt, and I'm not going to get too far in the weeds today. This is going to be a quick, simplified example. Uh, So let's say that a single person has $50,000 in their checking account, and then they're going to spend that down to $4,000 in Missouri, $2,000 in Kansas. And once you're down to that point, uh, you're uh, first of all, you're almost broke. You're literally almost out of money. And then at that point, Medicaid says, okay, now that you've almost outlived your assets, we'll let you keep 2000 or $4,000. And then from that point forward, then we will help to pay. Really, uh, for most folks, it's the bulk of the cost, the majority of the cost of living in a long-term care uh, community. And then if you get, you know, a, a lot more complicated, <laughs> uh, it, what if you have a married couple? Now, back in the day, you had a married couple, what they would do to try to preserve some of their assets, and this is really sad, but a lot of people actually got a divorce. I mean, if if you can imagine that. My grandparents were married for 70 years. We celebrated their 70th wedding anniversary, uh, and, and they never would have done that. They would have said, hey, come what may, we're not getting divorced. But a lot of people did that as a practical matter to protect half of the assets of the of the spouse who is still living at home, still living independently, still has bills and utilities and taxes, et cetera, and expenses, et cetera. And, and so... Uh, fortunately, you don't have to do that now. There's a there's a uh, there's a strategy called a division of assets where you can just uh, divide those assets in half on paper, and you don't have to get a divorce. And so half is on the community spouse's side of the ledger, so to speak, right? And then the other half is on the side of the spouse needing that nursing home care. And and again, that you spend it down to four thousand or two thousand, and and you're in, and you qualify for Medicaid. Uh, Medicaid. So. Uh, you can use that spend down money to you know to pay your nursing home or your care costs. Uh, you can pay off some debt. So say you and your wife has you know, five thousand dollars on a credit card. You can take the five thousand off of uh, the nursing home spouse's side of the ledger again, so to speak, and pay off that debt. Uh, you can. Uh, pay off uh, a home mortgage. Let's say if you have twenty thousand left on your mortgage, boom, you can take it off of off of that side of the ledger, and it's a countable expense on that spend down. You could even make home improvements, and again, that is allowable. You can also buy a prepaid funeral plan, uh, which is a really smart thing to do. Take you know eight or ten thousand dollars of that spend down amount, and uh, do yourself and everyone else a favor and invest in a prepaid funeral plan, so that your final expenses are completely 
covered. Uh, and then you could even buy a new car so that your spouse could have dependable transportation driving to and from the nursing home uh, all the time to see you. And so those things are allowable. But again, once you get down to that 4000 or 2000 uh, then that is uh, that is it, and you are qualified. So I've had some folks here lately say, "Well, you know, what if you know I have you know X dollars, you know, like a hundred thousand or fifty thousand, whatever the number is? It wasn't a gigantic amount, but it was still a lot of money. Well, what if I just make that money?" And they put up their air quotes. What if I just make that money disappear? And I'm like. Oh boy. <laughs> I said, you just don't want to do that. <laughs> and they said, okay, well, so now I have money in this one bank account and I'm just going to move it over here to this other bank account because it's a really small bank. I don't think anybody will even know it's over there. What do you think about that idea? And I said, can I just be just really, really honest with you? Just really frank with you? Well, yes, yeah, Steve, of course. And I said, don't do it. And they look at me and they're like, really? And I said, no, this is not a good idea. This is a bad idea. This is a terrible idea, right? I, I said, so, you know, you can, uh, you can lie on your application, but if you get caught, you're going to be in huge trouble. It is not worth it. I, I would not do that. Uh, you could also lie doing your taxes, and you can do that if you want to. It's a bad idea. But if you get caught, you're going to be in huge trouble. Now, there are ways uh, that you may be able to legally and properly protect some assets. And that's why I always recommend visiting an elder law attorney uh, for that asset protection strategy. It's worth every penny that you will pay them to help you maybe protect fifty dollars or $100,000. Uh, and it's just the right thing to do. So, so don't get any funny ideas. <laughs> don't move your, your assets to a, a small bank. Uh, don't make that money, quote unquote, disappear. Just do the right thing, fill it out, tell the truth, and if you want to protect some money, visit a qualified, experienced elder law attorney. You will thank me later, and it's the right thing to do. It's a great thing to do. So that is what you should do if you want to protect some assets. All right, I'll have more coming up next. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, call now, toll-free, 1-800-331-6445. Operators are standing by, 1-800-331-6445. I'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, go to SeniorCareLive.com. And now, Senior Care in the News. A news report from Steve Keeker, President of Senior Care Consulting. All right, so we're told over and over again, if you're positive for COVID-19, what are you supposed to do? And all of you have already answered that in your mind. You're supposed to quarantine for how many days? 14 days, right? 
Okay, so this is from this past week, actually on Tuesday, November the 3rd. Uh, this was the headline uh, a few days ago from the CDC. And the headline is, you can vote in person if you have COVID-19 or you have been exposed. Can you believe that? This is from this past Tuesday. U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention said that COVID-19 should not keep uh, people from the polls. Voters have the right to vote regardless of whether they are sick or in quarantine. So that is not what we've been told for the last seven months. Now, this is interesting. Independent experts agree that the risks of having sick people voting in person, as long as you have adequate precautions uh, and taken uh, all of the precautions at the polls, those uh, those, those, uh, risks are really pretty low, which is, uh, this is stunning to me. All voters should wear masks, six feet apart as they cast their vote. And uh, you should also let the poll workers know, by the way, that you're walking in as a spreader if, if you're, if you're uh, uh, positive. So it goes on to say the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention wants every eligible American to know they can cast a ballot in this past Tuesday. I'm, I'm talking in the past tense. This past Tuesday, uh, whether they are free of COVID or not, voters have the right to vote regardless, again, of whether they're sick or in quarantine. Uh, so uh, it says also uh, there are so many safety protocols being put into place for safe voting that it's really a lower risk activity. Okay, so now that my blood pressure has shot up, and when I read this this past Tuesday, I literally about fell over. Uh, so if you can get out of quarantine knowing you are infected and go vote, then CDC, why have you been telling all of us to stay at home? And not leave the house because it's so dangerous to all of those around you? Hmm? Why can't you visit your loved one in the hospital, CDC? So you're telling us it's too dangerous to do that. But yet, oh, but it's okay to vote. Those two things don't go together. CDC, why can't you visit your loved one in a senior care facility? Why is that? I actually have family members that went up to Minnesota and they were not allowed to be with their mother who was dying in a nursing home. They had to literally sit outside and to, to be with her. I, that is disgraceful. So if you're telling, are you telling me that voting in person, even though you're completely infected and you're positive is more important than visiting your dying mother? You got to be kidding me, CDC. Why, why do you, in some restaurants, you have to write down your name and your contact information before dining? So it's so that they can do contact tracing and lock down anyone who is exposed to a positive person in the restaurant. So you can vote and expose everyone around you, and that's okay. But if you dare visit a local restaurant and anyone comes up positive, you'll be hunted down and quarantined, right? Wow. It's just, it's, this one really, really irks me. So CDC, it's not okay to go to church, highly discouraged, because after all, it's such a dangerous situation, but it's okay to go vote. So you're telling me, don't go to church, but go vote. Again, those things do not go together. It's also not okay to attend a political rally, because it's just so dangerous, super spreader, super spreader. But if you're infected with a positive COVID-19 and you're out uh, peacefully protesting, that's okay, because that's important. See, these things don't go together. 
uh, going to school, we've been told, is just so extremely dangerous. We must keep the children at home. But now everyone's finally realizing and saying that the children are actually suffering because of this policy, and they're not learning a darn thing. Right? Just, just incredible. You must shut down the economy to keep everyone safe. Then very recently, and that's what we've been told for months, and then very recently the World Health Organization came out in a statement saying they don't recommend shutting down the economy because of all of the economic uh, uh, turmoil that it causes. And it actually, their quote was, it makes poor people a whole lot more poorer is what it says a whole lot more poorer uh was their quote uh and they also they predicted uh that the number of poor individuals throughout the entire world will double in just 12 short months because of all of these shutdowns that's a flip and a flop you must wear a mask because it's safe did you see a picture of dr fauci himself not wearing a mask at a baseball game. He was really irritated that someone took that picture, by the way. And we've seen how many politicians not wearing their masks either. And to me, that comes off as a do as I say, not as I do situation. So the CDC, the same CDC that wants to lock down everything and everyone is the same CDC that is super critical of states that opened up earlier than some of the others. The same CDC that says going to school is a high risk activity. The same CDC that keeps changing the numbers of how many people have actually died from COVID-19. And now they say it's okay to get out of the house. To break your quarantine? And even if you're just raging, just positive, just just dripping with the virus, it's okay to go vote? Exposing everyone around you? Wow. Just wow. Now, please understand, I think we should absolutely take precautions and we should use some common sense. I think we should do all we can do to protect and support the most vulnerable in our communities. We should absolutely be doing that. We should take this virus seriously. This is a serious situation. But when we're told over and over again, listen to the experts, listen to the science, and then the experts continuously flip and flop, that makes many of us question the motives of the experts. Well, why would they do that? Well, why would they say that? Why would they on election day say, hey, even if you're positive, you get on out there and vote? Why would they say that? Now, there's some very, very good people at the CDC, and the CDC does a lot of really, really good things. But I'm telling you, friends, The people who have tremendous power over all of us right now, they are not going to give that up any time soon. And that should concern all of us. All right. And just wanted to say, uh, not that she can hear me, (laughs) but we have uh, at the Keeker House, we have three of the most adorable, lovable, snuggly, most spoiled, rotten wiener dogs, (laughs) Ruby, Olive and Quincy, three sisters. And they are just a hoot. And our sweet uh, uh, Princess Ruby, because she is a little princess. uh, She had she had her third birthday uh, this last weekend. Uh, She's a Halloweeny. So her her birthday is on uh, uh, Halloween. We got her a little dog friendly poochie cake uh, birthday cake. We sang to her. She blew out her candle and well, 
Okay, so I blew out the candle. <laughs> but but anyway, and she got a treat. She got a big old frog that she could drag around and chew, a, a stuffed frog. So it was just lots and lots of fun. So just wanted to say happy birthday to our dear Princess Ruby at the Keeker household. She is a long-haired chocolate wiener dog, lovable, snuggly, incredible dog, and she is now three years old. How about that? All right. I'm your host, Steve Keeker, and I wish you grace and peace May God bless you and your family on this day and always. Join me next week right here on Senior Care Live. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.